Welcome to the backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your co-host, Matt Considine, here with our co-host, the professor. Professor, uh, top of the morning to you, sir. I am offended already this early <laughs> in the morning. Already is angry. God. So, so we're sitting here talking before the show, and it comes out, Matthew William Considine has not watched The Peaky Blinders. <laughs> One of the best shows ever created. Thomas Shelby might be the best, most efficient spoken character in all of television history. I'm a big Cillian Murphy fan. Huge. I'll go see Oppenheimer. Go see anything he's in. But yeah, how have you not watched that show? Like, to, it's, oh, it's it's so it's, good. I, you've been saying for years, uh, moderation control is my answer. I, it's one of those shows where I know – it hits on a lot of things I like, and if I get started, I'm going to watch. How many episodes? How many seasons? It's six. Is it? Six seasons. Um, they didn't. See, I don't COVID have time canceled. For six COVID seasons. stopped seven, so they're t- maybe probably turned into a movie. They're working on the movie now, but they might actually also do a season, maybe because they need they need to do a season to handle the current. Um, everybody's a villain in it, but the current t- anti Thomas Shelby villain. Are they are they hour episodes? Yeah, I remember right about an hour. I mean, it goes so quick though. It's just it's it's an amazing I mean, efficient. It's an amazingly ten, efficient. Show. Ten episode seasons. Ten episode seasons. I'm guessing. Yeah, something like that. Um, maybe so even shorter. It might even be shorter than that. Actually, uh, I'm thinking they're even. Uh, I think they're even shorter. sixty hours. I think sixty hours of my time invested in this show that the professor loves. I don't know, man. It's just and you'll it, never. It's tough. You'll never. You won't regret that at all. I promise. I promise you that. <laughs> well, the reason I'm getting bum blasted to start this episode with Kev, the professor's favorite show is, um, I guess I have a, an apology to make to the fine people of Southeast England. Uh, we got a couple messages from across the pond. We got a couple from our friend stateside as well. Uh, I guess I was just absolutely destroying the pronunciation of Royal Sink. Ports. Uh, I think I was giving it a little bit of a Spanish flair. I do have, according to Ancestry.com, I have 3% Iberian Peninsula uh, in my running through my blood. So I was trying to spice it up with a little uh, Portuguese, maybe, uh, Cinqua, Cinqua Ports. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's it's Cinq Ports, just like your kitchen sink, Cinq Ports. So thanks for everybody for keeping me honest. I'm not a smart man. I never have admitted to that. I, I read words as I see them, and um, I was I was a bit off there. But uh, hey, still looking forward to visiting our friends at Royal Sink Ports. Uh, that'll be that'll be a blast in 2025. <laughs> but uh, today on our episode, we have uh, the professor de- delivering a fun fact, I'm sure. But then after that, we're going to get into. Um, kind of that time of year where everybody's thinking about their golf. We got cabin fever. We're cold in a lot of parts of the country. And we start thinking about what do we want to do in 2024 uh, with our golf game. And I think it's a very common thing. At least, I don't know about you, Professor. I'm on the phone a lot. And I, when I'm walking around my house, I'm just picking up any club I can mm-hmm. and kind of getting a couple swing thoughts in my head and, and just feeling the handle a little bit and, and rolling some putts on the carpet. I definitely have that that going through my head. So I think it's a good time to uh, get some some thoughts out. And, and the focus of the day, I mean, let's face it, having the professor as our co-host of this show, it is a very valuable resource that we don't really tap into enough on this side of the equation of our own uh, game, but the professor's helped thousands of people play better golf. So the topic today is three things to help us play better golf in 2024. Uh, so I'm really excited to dive into that with you, sir. Do you have any golf scheduled right now? Like, what's the next thing you got that's actually concrete on the schedule, going to be there, club in hand, ball on tee? So I, I, I am excited about the the, the winter uh, escapes I have on the docket, and they're both new club related, um, and I actually get to play in both, which sometimes I'm working and, and other times I get to play. But this time I get to play and uh, uh, very excited. I'm playing Old Barnwell and the other courses in Aiken. We got a great weekend there. Uh, it's our captain's annual meeting. So uh, those of you that are part of New Club will know we have captains that are nominated and, and ratified for each of our chapters. We have national captains. Uh, our goal is to get together at least once a year. And so we've kind of geared that in the winter months. Uh, Aiken is going to be our spot, so I'm super pumped about that. Old Barnwell, uh, shout out Old Barnwell. Everything, mission, old, club, yep. course, 
talking to Blake Conant through email the other day um, about where the course started and where it ended up and everything. And get there. If you haven't been there, get there, play it. Um, I know y'all are going to have a blast. So I'm jealous. I can't, so jealous I can't be there because I've, I've only seen the upper loop. I haven't seen the completed project yet. Huh? It, it and, and like what it gets, you know, what gets me going and it is that mission driven stuff of a club doing it differently. Nick Schreiber uh, really had uh, a different vision and you read about the vision stuff, you don't know how it's going to pan out. Everybody I've talked to, it, it's panning out. They are supporting programs, HBCUs, mm-hmm. Annika Foundation, Evan Scholars Program in the Southeast, which isn't that common yet. Like he, he's he's really putting his money where his mouth has been, his his actions. Uh, it's I, I just love that stuff, man. Good mm-hmm. things happening in the game of golf, uh, and it's a fully private club that you know has opened the doors to us for an afternoon. And I think that makes um, as as people that have a lot of reverence for the game. Mm-hmm. And and we just talked Royal Singport, same thing, right? A, an honorable club with years of history. Just that is an ethos that we need more of in the game. Personally, um, it doesn't need to be overdone. It doesn't need to be overstated. But the way that they're going about that, I think is uh, admirable mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and and going to really spread the love of game for for more people. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the next one. And, and then um, headed out to Northern California for our winter meeting, playing the co- golf courses of Alistair McKenzie. I mean, I... If I got a free second, I'm, I've been reading about those courses. Like that's... I am so thrilled to be going to play my favorite architects golf courses in the state of California, a place I have not played that that often. I know all you West Coasters have been saying, oh, you're coming in February, enjoy the rain. I will. I will enjoy <laughs> the rain. I don't give a shit. Like I know it's going to be soggy if it if it does come down. Get the F out of here. I'm playing Pasa Tiempo and I'm playing Meadow Club and I'm playing Northwoods. These are the places I have dreamed of for over a decade. And so that crew... That's right. Uh, Get ready for that one. That one's gonna be fun. So those are my. That's my golf. It's not competitive. Uh, the, well, there would be formats. I mean, I'm gonna try to to win them. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not uh, <laughs> gonna shy from that. But it's it's definitely um, more about the camaraderie, more about the golf courses in those situations. But yeah, playing better. Like I think one thing we can do on this episode, professor, is define better. Yeah. You know, like what does that even mean? Is it just score related? Is it other factors that that are involved? So. I think this will be a fun discussion. Yeah, big open question in terms of how you want to define better. Do you have something unrelated to it that, uh, or maybe related to it, that could be our fun fact today? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think you could spin it to be related in terms of ethos idea, but I got to ask you, so do you ever get stuck in your work? So like in my world, it would be writer's block. You know, we're working on an article or whatever, and you hit writer's block, and you're just like, ah, I can't can't get words on the paper and I just, you just sit there and stare and, and nothing progresses. Do you have like a, an, an analogical, um, experience in terms of the work you do and, and what is it, what are your sticking points? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, one of my sticking points is just, I guess, distraction a little bit or like interruption. I guess that's different, but you know, it's like I'm, I'm stuck. And so I'm more, uh, susceptible to, uh, my attention going elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? So it's like sticking with that thing. And sometimes it's probably good. It's like, you're stuck, you need to walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I was doing a lot of financial work lately for the business and uh, I got I really got stuck a few times with, you know, why something wasn't adding up or, uh, and then you can't, I, I, you know, struggling to find the answer and it really gets frustrating. And so, yeah, I, I definitely get stuck. Mm-hmm. Do you ever deal with like, you know, you do a lot of networking and all that. Any anxiety in that area in terms of like trying to reach out to clubs, you know, develop relationships, anything there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, kind of similar. It's just like you, you might do activity, but it doesn't res, result to your outcome mm-hmm. or, or to um, any progress. And you just sort of like, oh, man, what, what, what else can I do? You know? And so that's, that's a different version of just the ball's not moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, anybody in their workplace struggles with something like that, whether it be writer's block, whether it be failures, whatever it is, you know, we hit, we get stuck and we just, we aren't progressing forward um, in either of those cases. Well, there's one way to frame that mentally to help you, one, get over it in your current state in terms of you're currently stuck, but also then just moving forward in terms of not getting back into a stuck mode. Um, and it's to think of like every day's work as just an entry in a diary. 
So, you know, end of the day, if you've ever journaled or kept a diary, and I suggest everybody do this uh, either daily or weekly, you know, you never lie to yourself in a diary. You just sort of sit down and you just flow and you just let it go. There's no judgment. There's nothing there. And if you look back on yourself, you know, if you look what you wrote two years ago, you don't ever judge it. You just look and say, hey, where was I at at that time? And that's one way to approach your work life, your personal life, your relationship life or whatever. Everything, every day is just a diary entry, you know, and so you just... Do your best in that day. Do your most authentic, truthful work and realize it might not be what you think is your best, like your your ideal sort of situation, but it's your best that day. And you just always approach every day just like that. So and like in my world, to take something more tangible where you get writer's block, writer's block typically stems from two places. Actually, not idea generation isn't the issue. A lot of times it's either your, your self-judgment of it, it's not good enough which could be intrinsic. Like you just have this ideal. It needs to be this good. I know I can output this good because I've done it in the past or whatever. So I have to have it up way up here. Or it could be just you're putting words on a paper and you're always thinking of the other and what they're going to judge about it, right? This person's not going to like it, yada, yada, yada. Um, So this diary attitude towards it helps you get out of that funk of thinking about any judgment aspect of it. All you're doing is just trying to put words on paper. And whatever comes down on the paper, that's what's going to come down on the paper that day. And the next day, you always have the chance to go back and revise it, change it, you know, quote unquote, improve it. Um, but at least you're getting something down every day. So, so mental that's, framing to go with in terms of you ever get stuck. That's, I love that. And I think you've, you've shared that with me privately before, because I, I know in December, I, I remember two nights in a row, I journaled before bedtime and, and uh, I, I've, talk to some other people who journal at that evening hour and it they sleep so much better because mm-hmm. all those thoughts that you're at it's kind of out right they're not spiraling on spiraling on the things that are keeping them busy you know in life and keeping their mind busy and and so it kind of gets out in the world i i i'm afraid you you being one of my dear friends and and my wife would probably agree that I think I replaced the journaling with just talking <laughs> at people sometimes. You get, uh, your, uh, you get that from your dad. Yeah, a little bit. We like to uh, express ourselves verbally, but it it definitely, I don't know. So, sometimes that's not a possibility, right? And, and it's, it's, like you said, the intrinsic motivation to do it. I love that. And uh, yeah, more journaling. That's mm-hmm. that's a good one. That could definitely be on a list oh, yeah. for even your golf swings, right? Your golf thoughts, absolutely, huh. could be journaled down. Hundred percent. Dump that mind out. By dumping the mind out, you just open it up for more creativity and learning. Well, a couple uh, couple shout outs before we dive in. I definitely want to uh, thank everybody for listening. You know, twenty twenty four. We're uh, we're just off to an early start here in the new year, and and uh, already the professor and I have a bunch of ideas for this podcast, and so like. The community around the podcast, just like the community of New Club, I, I think it's the most fun aspect of both uh, is just the people that share in this show with us. So I just want to thank everybody for listening. That that was kind of one thing I don't do enough um, and I wanted to do at the top of the show. If you guys are enjoying it, it would help us to follow, subscribe, like, rate, review the, the, the show. Uh, you can do that on any of your podcast platforms, wherever you're listening. And um, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, and then, of course, we want to thank the people that have supported both New Club and this show, and that's Titleist. Titleist has been an awesome partner for us. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Uh, we're going to be talking about how you improve your game. Titleist has a lot of ways to help you do that. Uh, certified Titleist fitters are all around the country. You can check them out at Titleist.com. Um, thanks to them for their support. All right, Professor. What... I, do you want to get us started? I'd like you to get us started. Oh. What is your give? Give us number one on your list of ways to play better in 2024. I'm glad I get, I get to go first because I might still. I was worried you might have this as one of your answers. Um, oh, I'm definitely going to overlap. So you, might, I'm you sure. might. So I might be stealing this from you. Before we do that, because um, I'm not going to talk much about analytics and like specific practice things. So I'm going to give a free ad to both to Golf Blueprint here. Um, if you're looking to dial in your practice in very targeted ways and let someone else do all this stuff we talk about, do some targeting things, <laughs> go check out you know um, Golf Blueprint and we'll get you dialed in for practice. So that's, with that aside. That was going to be my first one. So you already stole that. <laughs> um, number one, walk. Walk when you play. 
Golly, you dog. Did, 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 you I steal it? did, I, did you have that? As, no. As, as, at least there was a sub bullet somewhere in your. Uh, I got I got a different perspective on it, but yes, walk. I love it. Why? So, okay, I think there's actually a few reasons. You know, a few are just going to be sort of me promoting walk on my uh, on my on my hill. I like to die on, but actually, some legitimate things here, right? So, one, like from a legitimate standpoint. Especially on a busy course, you're, and I'm going to define better here on play better, which maybe score better, but just whatever. Be connected to your game and feel like you're you're having a good round um, score wise. You're likely to play better, dude, just to the cadence and rhythm that walking brings to you, right? When you're on a busy course, when you're in a car, you're driving up and then you're sitting there waiting. Often heightens heightens your stress, anxiety, whatever, even subconsciously, just because you're you're ready to go to your next shot, you're ready to hit, right? Um, where walking actually improves that rhythm and cadence of the round of when you get up to your ball, you're more, you're closer to the time at which you're going to execute the shot. So you just hit a more natural flow. So right there alone, just from a mental engagement in the round standpoint, you're better off um, walking in the round. Of course, over time, if we go more of a longevity aspect, you're going to be healthier walking. Like you're going to see dividends, both mental and physical health, which are inner, you know, they feed each other actually. So, you're going to be healthier by walking more and more often. And of course, you're not going to see that in a week or even a month. But if you continually walk while playing over time, you're going to see um, dividends uh, in terms of in terms of your health. You're going to get to know the course more. Especially if you walk a singular course a lot, you're going to get to know your golf course and its ins and outs a lot more by walking because you're not skipping over anything. And this is key in tournament rounds because anybody that's playing a tournament, you know, you end up in places you feel like you've never been in your life on a golf course. But if you're walking, you're familiar with the course and also walking up the greens. You get to know the greens as you're walking up. And there's been pros that have talked about this. There's been architects, everything. Like getting out of a cart and walking in from the back of the green, you don't learn anything about the green and its contours. But if you're walking with your bag on your shoulders and those 50 yards leading up to the green, you're already ready to scout the green, think about it, think about your shot, plan the putt or the chip that you have, and you're actually going to see improvements there. Lastly, more connection and fun with your group. If you're playing with people, you're just going to connect better with them. You know, you don't have this, oh, we're in a group conversation on the tee, now we break into twos or ones in a cart, and then we're at our ball, and then maybe we come together on the green. No, with in a foursome, if you're walking, you're talking the whole time as a whole group. So you're just going to connect better with each other, connect with the experience, and you're, you're going to have more fun in doing that. A def- fun being defined very, very broadly. It's not like you're just laughing and jovial, but just engaged and present in the moment. Um, if you're actually uh, walking where, rather than this like switching that's occurring if you're in a cart. So those are some some reasons to get out there, get out there and walk. Uh, and it's going to help your pocketbook too in terms of uh, cart fees. <laughs> That's true. They they like their car feet. Uh, when when you're at a course that isn't walking uh, centric or you know it built, I mean, so many of our golf courses are built. Uh, the housing developments, the uh, more dramatic land stuff, like just places or places that just kind of throw your bag on a cart. And you don't even have a. Um, I've taken the approach of walking in those situations. But what what do you have? Do you have any advice for people that? want to get more walking, but maybe the course that they're playing or maybe the buddies they play with are, are just so cart centric. Like yeah. how do you see that? Cause I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've done it with my uncles. God, I love mm-hmm. them to death, but not a chance are they walking. And so they like to give me shit when I pull my bag off the, the cart and start, start walking. Um, and it's a little bit of it, the cadence is different like for me personally, the cadence is, is better, obviously, because I'm walking in the shot, walking into them, you know, taking in the land, everything you just said. But for for the cadence with us, yeah, you know, them to me, it's really challenging. And uh and and sometimes I am chasing if it's not a busy day, uh, which is tough being the only walker. Do you have any advice in that situation? Yeah, that's a good one. I was just yeah, I was gonna ask you, have you been that one person in a foursome that's walked before and what's your experience like? And it sounds like, yeah, and I think if it's a non-busy course, you know, do what you f- see is best, right? In terms of that, like, here, okay, here's what I'd say. Try it, right? Be that one outsider that walks. Just give it a shot and see, or maybe a few shots and see how it goes. Yeah, I admit the first time it's a little awkward and you might be chasing, but 
in my experience, like I, I was that, and now I still do it. You get used to it, and you develop a cadence with it. And I've never had anybody dislike it. Now, if you're trying to burn it up in two hours and twenty minutes and force someone on an empty course, jump on a cart, go. Like I do that with buddies, right? We're trying to get around quick and whatever for whatever reason. Maybe we want to play thirty six holes. That means we're you know. So I'm just talking about eighteen holes. You're not looking to burn it up. You're just looking to play a nice solid round. I think you, you'll find it's it's okay. Like it works out and. You know, yeah, you pick up your pace a little bit walking, but that's also that's also healthy. Um, and I think there's also something in terms of your mind challenging yourself for that alone time. Like, so this is a little bit counter to the connection aspect. Like, it's okay to be an outsider and put yourself in that position. That's good for the mind because you learn to settle in and realize it's okay. Nobody likes me any less. It's just like nobody cares what you shot, right? Nobody like nobody. The people are going to like you. And guess what? And you might get one person if you do it a few times. You might get that one person that says, well, "I'm going to walk with them too." And now you've started yeah. something, right? You might actually start yeah. the number of times in our text thread. It's like, well, I, I ride because I don't want to be that one person out, right? I, I don't want to be that. Well, it's yes. like, that's perpetuating the problem. So if you want to walk, walk. Embrace what you want to do. And people might be thinking the same thing as you. Like, oh, I don't want to be that one person out. Because they are. there are people thinking that. And so if you elect to be that one person out, the next one's going to follow suit. And all of a sudden, you might end up with a foursome walking or at least a threesome walking. Then you got the one person in the cart that's left out. And you might forget them to walk, too. You know, I, oh, gosh. And this ties really into my first bullet point, And I'll get there in a second. But my last comment on walking is you mentioned the course, uh, knowing the course better. Um, I looked back at my best year of golf ever. And one thing I did at my home club uh, Beverly Country Club in Chicago that winter. So like basically November to to March, uh, I went out to Beverly and they do where you play it backwards. Mm. And if there was snow on the ground, I'd walk it backwards with my dog. And if there wasn't, I'd, I'd take a club or two and I'd play it, play the course backwards. Coming out in the spring, I saw things in the golf course going the, dire- the correct direction, right? I saw things in the golf course that I never really thought of. And I, I, would, I swear to you, I'd be like, you know what? If I just carry it this far, that's that little knoll, isn't it? It's gonna kick it down. I'm gonna be right in front of the green. That's I'm gonna play it to that. Uh-huh. I, and it it was it was my best year of golf. I mean, I shot a 62 there. I did all these wonderful things, and I was like, that would that had an effect. So walking the golf course, and just think about it. Like it's not that uh, hard to to understand. And when you hop in a cart, you get back into conversation. You're not paying attention to anything else out there, mm-hmm. and. And so when you walk a piece of land, you can feel it in your feet. You can see it with your eyes. Uh, Very understated um, aspect of walking a golf course. Mm -hmm. Love that for bullet number one. Hit playing all the greatest hits already on the Bag Drop podcast. My number one, and it's very similar to to walking. Actually, walking is now a sub-bullet on this point. I thought about making it number one, but I didn't. It's a sub-bullet. Fitness, fitness this time of year, and this is a timely one. So, uh, one thing again for this podcast, I went back and looked at this this year of golf, twenty eighteen. Um, life was in <laughs> there was no pandemic. Life was in a good place, and uh, and and I played really good golf. And one aspect of it was I changed my uh, fitness routine going into the golf season. I was uh, prepared to play a lot more golf that year. I uh, had tournaments on the books. That was all kind of kind of part of why I wanted to get better in better shape. But I, I changed my what is better shape. Mm. Up to that point, I was very, uh, how you say, what's the uh, superficial about my workouts. So, you know, you get, we played college golf, but there was, there was a aspect of that that required us to, you know, get in the gym and do it for that specific purpose of golf. And I, and I got so far away from that. I wanted to look good with my shirt off. The beach I wanted workout, to like, man. That's all, that's all me, work. Russ and JR and Sean Dove did at the gym. We're back at the, the golf. We weren't working out for golf. We were working out for the beach. And let's be clear. I weigh about 85 pounds soaking wet. I've never looked good with my shirt off. So I just like, this is an insecurity of Matt Constantine, but the fitness uh, regimen. I mean, I go in, I do the bench, I do some, I try to do some squats, some push things, and and then you do curls, curls. What we used curls to say, for the curls girls. for the girls. You know, <laughs> that's right. And and it was just so superficial. And so I, I got into that. And the guys I was working with at the time were all in the same way. So we'd go do kind of the same workouts. And 
and then I started to say, well, I don't really care about this. Like, and a lot of it has to do with <laughs> finding a girl I wanted to settle down with, and she didn't care. It's like, <laughs> you, you know what it means. You don't really care about that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So the fitness then became, let's get some specific goals. And, and golf, not only playing better from the standpoint of scoring, but like better, I want to feel better mm. when I play. I, I had um, all these knee issues growing up, and I found out I had a gluten thing. So like diet is a part of this fitness routine. But the biggest thing that I think can be specific for other people to kind of take from this is there's specific golf exercises out there that really make a difference. So um, what I have done ever since that time, and it's been harder to get to the gym, but this year I'm getting in a better better rhythm of it. Since I've changed this, I'll go from like, you know, think of your golf season and getting ready for your golf season. And I'll, I'll actually do heavy weights like that a little bit from uh, end of golf season, October-ish, to, to now, mm-hmm. to basically uh, late January, early February. And as soon as I have golf in my immediate future, and so for us uh, up in the north, it's going to be, God, I hope April, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe a couple days in March, but definitely, you know, May and, and uh, really doesn't open up fully until June. But that, that's kind of the, the, uh, the timing that I'm looking at. So I give myself at least 12 weeks of getting ready to play golf. And um, I've even shortened that to six if needed. If I procrastinated in a certain year, I have a 12-week workout and I have a six-week workout. Mm. And it's it's either two – the thing that I love about mine is you can do six uh, – I'm sorry, two times a week or three times a week. It, it depends on my schedule. It depends on these things. And, and so I can adjust in that, which I know habit people would probably tell me that's not something you want to give yourself. But I find it works for me. But anyways, golf-specific workouts are balance, rotation, uh, stability muscles, core muscles. So it's not doing curls, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not doing heavy, heavy sets and weights. And you talked about walking and being the one that stands out. I go to the gym now with this in mind. And and by the way, I'm happy to share this workout with anybody that is interested in it. Um, I don't have it. I, I can make it available online or something in the blog maybe perhaps. But what it – it does is I go to the gym and you know, the X fly, uh, cable yeah, machine. Yeah. I, I don't know about your gym, but at my gym, it's the most underutilized oh, yeah. Hardly anybody uses thing it. there. Like no one's ever on it. So I basically spend 80% of my work out there hmm. and, and I'm doing a lot of one leg rotational, uh, exercises. I'm doing a lot of, uh, sometimes when you ease into the workout, there's a progression to it. I'll do like on my knees, for a while of rotational stuff. And then I moved to, to uh, both feet and then I moved to one leg. And the one leg, when you're on one leg, you can only do so much weight. You can't, I'm not throwing, you know, hundreds of pounds trying to do that. It's, it could be as light as 10 or five, but it, you feel it throughout your entire body. And, and the big thing with this adjustment in, in workout is um, it's a synchronicity of your body and mind. And that's what I find the most helpful. Yes, I prevent fatigue when I get out there. Um, when you do the balance exercises with rotation and, and things like that, you'll find like when you're benching, you don't really like come up for a lot of breath afterwards, right? You'll see, you'll do three sets of like trying to balance on your weak leg and do a rotation. To, you're going to be like, ah, ah, mm-hmm. ah, you're going to be tired. And, and that is, is really helping uh, prevent fatigue. It's going to help when you're walking a hard 18, a whole golf course. Um, cardio obviously is a good thing. And then, and then it really, another thing it really helps with is it prevents uh, recovery. Cause I don't know about you. If I play 36 holes followed by 18 the next day, I'm, I'm sore, but I'm not sore in like the big muscle things that I was training when I was doing all these heavyweights. I'm sore in my hip mm-hmm. flexor. I'm sore in my left knee. I'm sore in my ankle. Like that type of stuff can be uh, minimized with shifting your your workout. And and again, I think it's cool. Like I I had a guy come up to the gym. Honestly, he's like, "Hey man, I've been watching you like for the last. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Like, why do you do all this one leg stuff? Because back in the heavy season, I was doing the same stuff he was, and I you know would would uh, help him with reps and stuff. And and he, I was just like, oh, I'm a golfer. He's like, oh, that makes total sense, dude. That's cool. That's cool. But standing out on your own, it just it takes a little courage perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, like, 
going with a specific golf workout, if you care about the game, it keeps you motivated too. It, it reminds me that I'm not doing this for, uh, I'm doing it for my own benefit. I have a purpose to be here today. I don't want to skip today because I'm going to feel better in August when I'm, you know, playing that week long trip or whatever. It's, that's, that's how I approach it. So number one for me is change your fitness, change your, your perspective on, on how you go out. I was just going to ask you on the motivation aspect, how do you, how do you stay motivated to keep at it? Because I think one of the hardest things about weight and resistance training is you don't see, or anything exercise-wise, you don't see changes quickly. So it's easy, the, you know, the first week or two, you're super excited, you're hitting the weights, you know, doing whatever you're doing. But then it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm busy today. Like, you know, that four o'clock exercise I normally do, I need to work an extra hour. And you, so you skip it, you maybe move it a day, and then all of a sudden you move it two days and you cancel it. And a month later, you're not doing it at all. So what do you do to build it into your day and stay motivated with it? Is it just thinking, oh, in August, I want to look like this or feel like this? Or is there some, Is there more to it so you make sure you're sticking to it? The, the best way I can describe a, a, the motivating factor when you make it about your golf is that mind-body uh, sequencing, the connection between what you're thinking and what your body's doing. You know, I call, it's the flow. Mm. And I'll get to that in one of my future points here. But when your flow improves as you're going through this, it really keeps you motivated. So like it, it's not that, okay, I benched 175, now I'm doing 185 this week. That's not what you're going to have in this, you know, kind of uh, progression. But what you will have is like, man, I'm really balanced and in can, and my, like I can feel this in sequence when I'm rotating with this and I, and I'm on my left leg and I'm not shaking like I did last week or the week prior. And, and it comes and goes a little bit, but that's golf too. Mm. And so it's, it's really for me, very synonymous with going to the golf course. It, it really has become this, uh, mind body connection that I equate exactly to my golf swing. I like that. A less product oriented version of it too, just going through the process and, and seeing what comes along I like that. Yeah, and like like a bad workout is it similar to a bad go- round of golf where it's like, man, I just wasn't in con- I wasn't in flow. I wasn't in connection with with like, and I was thinking about other stuff. I wasn't like yeah. there, you know. And that's how my bad rounds go, and that's how my bad workouts go. But when I'm having a good workout or having a good uh, golf round, I'm fully present. I'm in that moment. Uh, I can I just sequence. Yeah, feels feels spot on. Yeah. And the point is, to just sh- so what's your, show up too, right? Just get there, yeah. What's your number two? Number two, play. Just mm. play. And I use that in two different ways. One, play in the sense of, you know, we all, Nico and I always talk about this in Golf Blueprint. It's not rocket science. Like reps, you can't replicate reps. Reps are the most important things. You're going to get better if you're just going and doing things. So play in terms of just get out and play, right? You know, if that's 10 minutes of practice, that's better than none. You know, if you're driving home from work and you're like, I don't have time for a full practice session, but you have time for 10 minutes of seven irons or whatever it is, just go do it. Or three holes rather than nine, one hole rather than nine. Even sitting there like, okay, I'm on my couch and I've got 10 minutes of downtime, visualize your swing. Like really like close those eyes, sort of meditation style and visualize the piece of your swing. There's actually research behind that too that shows, you know, obviously getting out and doing it's better, but that's better than not doing anything. So just any minute you have, no matter how short or long, it's better than not doing anything at all because reps are better than no reps. um, So just get out and play. But another side of play too is when you do that, it's easy to get stressed like, oh, it's only 10 minutes. No, be playful with it, right? Get out there and like 10 minutes. Count, sit there, sit there someday. If you think 10 minutes is not long, sit there and count to 60 seconds, to 120 seconds, to 180 seconds, and count through the uh, 600 seconds that 10 minutes is. It's a long time. There's a lot of time there to do something. Um, so don't go into it with stress. Go into it with a playful mindset, right? That, oh, my God, I've got 10 minutes to do something cool. Let's go do something cool. Or I've got 45 minutes. Yeah, that's not enough for nine holes, but I can go have a hell of a time for three holes, hitting three balls, trying a shot, hitting a cut, a fade, a straight ball doing whatever, like you can take advantage of any time that's there for you. Um, so don't use the excuse of, oh, I don't have enough time, meaning I don't have two hours or four hours or 45 minutes. If you got any little bit of time, use it. I love just the word play. And as as humans, it's one of my convictions why golf is important is that as 
adult humans, it becomes hard. Kids are so good at playing. Hmm. So good. Like I watch my daughter. She can take any situation and play. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we lose that and we forget what it is to just enjoy it. And I think when we in this discussion of better golf, one thing I really have always admired about Golf Blueprint and what you guys created is I never feel like it's work or, pr- or practice even. Like I always feel like I'm playing mm-hmm. and it reminds me to be a kid. And it reminds me to, to uh, use my imagination. It reminds me to um, visualize. And, and, and that, that to me is like the best part of golf maybe, of playing golf, is, is that level of, of being able to express ourselves through play. And, and so, yeah, like you can't lose that. And even if you have the littlest time, like make a, make a game out of it, um, with yourself. It doesn't have to be competitive with yourself either. Like, I think I learned that. I remember asking you when you were first developing golf blueprint, like, Hey dude, <laughs> thanks for my, my blueprint. Why is nothing like, uh, related to like, like, I, like score? Why isn't, or why, not score? It's like, why is nothing have a, a point to it or, or, a, a points, you know, attainment, attainment is the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. And you're like, cause that's not it. It's, it's getting lost in the process, man. It's like, and that, that always stuck with me as a kind of an aha moment of like, you're right. That is it. I need to go out and uh, really enjoy doing the thing versus enjoy the reward of the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, that's really a good, uh, good one. All right. My number two, <laughs> breathe. As I just took a big, big deep breath. Do we breath. need to do some coherence um, breathing, a little Rick Rubin style? <laughs> I, I need to rewatch. Meta, are you getting meta, Rubin? meta with me here? No, I'm not going to go that deep, but I, I'll keep it real high level because there is a. But there is a book I thought about if I was going to recommend a book that people maybe haven't heard of. Um, there's a book uh, by a young woman. I'm blocking on her name. I'm looking around my office to see if I can see it. Uh, but she's from Australia, and it's called Breathe Golf. Breathe Golf. If you really want to get into the the deepness of it, that's a good one to pick up. But you know, I'll keep it real high level. Like the thing for me, and this was if I had a piece of advice that I could go back and tell my childhood self, it would be one word: to be breathe. Because without breath, what inherently happens is our body fills with tension, hmm. and our mind is. Um, it's hard to make good decisions without proper breathing. And, and so you're not thinking, if you're not breathing, you're not thinking as well. It's been like proven. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this isn't even golf related. If you are in a tough work situation or somebody is, you can feel your cortisol levels rising and they're asking you a question. Our human instinct is, ah, you know, respond. Yeah. If you take that minute or that second, even of three seconds to just take a big deep breath before responding, you will feel your brain chemistry change. Interesting. And and so on the golf course, I have found this to be my number one, especially competitive golf. When I get into situations that build stress, I have really struggled. And the the number one way, the only way I've been able to get out of that is breathing correctly. Um, and so so for for me, it's it's having a point of focus with my breath, mm-hmm. where I can always go back to when I get distracted. I, I get distracted on the golf course for thousands of, of reasons, and uh, and that's okay. Like there's t- to expect anybody, even if you have the most premier focus ability on the planet, it's tough to do for five hours, for four hours. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to do that. So let yourself get distracted. That's okay. But the the breath can really bring you back to the place you need to be to hit a good golf shot. And and so for me, it's actually having a point in my body that I I breathe through. Um, in some years I've actually changed this of where it is, mm. but, uh, and this gets probably more into the weeds than you'd want or more personal, but I have a, a concave, uh, breastbone that goes a little bit to the left. I've had my whole life. It impedes like a small percentage of, of my, um, intake ability. Uh, I, I probably can't have as full of breath as, as some people, but right below it is my point. Mm. And so I have that as like, um, I breathe through and when I get distracted, whether it be, Walking into the golf shot, or it be, uh, uh, you know, I just I just need to focus. And I was just having a great conversation with somebody, the caddy, with the people I'm playing with, whatever. As I'm stepping into my my routine, I 
that centers me. That puts me right where I need to be, puts me back into my body, puts me my feet on the, the ground that I'm standing, the grass that I'm walking on, and, and everything else kind of starts to fade because I'm focused on that breath. And that breath starts to release my shoulders where I hold a lot of tension. It releases a lot of these, these uh, spots. And similar to the workout concept, it's the mind-body connection. And so my mind and my body are in the same place, ready to execute on the thing that I'm visualizing, the shot that I want to hit. So that's really all it is. It's, it's bringing yourself into that point, have a point in your body that you're breathing through. For some people, it's near their belly button. For some people, it's... Um, uh, there can be, it can be higher. Usually it's lower, but some people put it in their chest. I, I think like somewhere in the middle for me has always been uh, the, the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And it just lets me be present. It really brings me into the moment. It, it's, um, uh, it's the thing that, that centers me to hit a good golf shot. Do you do any counting with your breathing? Because I think it's the, what well, snipers often do, box breathing, I think. And I, I use box mm-hmm. breathing every once in a while. And that's, a, you imagine, a point moving along a box, maybe four seconds aside. And it's an inhale, hold, exhale, hold sort of pattern. Do you do anything to that detail? Or are you really just concentrating on that spot and just slow breath? Like, what, what are you, give, give some more technicality to the listeners. That is a, dude, that is such a good question because it reminds me of one of the pitfalls in the breathing okay. that I've found personally is let's say it's an exceptionally tough shot or it's a, it's a really tough situation. If I start applying, applying effort to my breathing mm. or like, oh, I counted wrong or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it makes it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make yeah, sense? 100%. So I really try with the breath to like, breathing is one of the most simple things we do or most common things we do, right? You do it every day, thousands of times a day. You just got to remind yourself to do it mm-hmm. in these situations. That's really it. So I don't, I keep it away from effort that I'm not applying effort. And, uh, and, and it's just no, noticing when my mind wanders and, and that's efforts, the mind wandering, mm-hmm. right? Like, all right, I need to do this right, right now. I have to, all right, I didn't do it good enough. I got to do it. Like, that's not it. It's, it's just remind yourself to breathe. You're going to breathe the way you breathe normally, but have that breath. And I do take probably a deeper breath than I would typically, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at PJ pros, everybody has a breathing uh, ritual. If you look at like Jason Day or Keegan Bradley, those guys are taking big, deep big, breaths, deep breaths, right? Yep. But if you look at if you look at Tiger, Tiger a thousand percent has a breathing. Re- oh, routine. he knows I mean, the guy what he's breathing per minute at the number of breaths per, per minute. minute. Yeah, yeah, he's probably he might be a counter if I'm if I'm guessing. But you don't you don't notice it. I've watched Tiger in person on that range at Firestone for hours. Yeah, and he's not taking big, heavy, deep breaths. But you know he's like he's he's in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and his breath is centered. So everybody has their own. Uh, breathing ritual mechanism, whatever. And I just find it to be the biggest, um, the biggest factor for me. It really is. It's the biggest factor for my, my game. And the last thing I'll say is the breath is this balance of, of focus mm-hmm. and relaxation because the, the bringing to a specific point, my body gives me that focus, but it's re- relaxing me. You can't hit, and this is how I started this point. You cannot hit a good golf shot with tension. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there that grips the club tight or has you know, stiff shoulders and, and does it. But I, I don't know. I think that has to be, before you approach your shot, that has to be relinquished from your system. Somehow, some way, that tension ca- cannot exist. So, um, yeah, the breath, man. That's the biggest one I got on my list. No, that's timely. I mean, the science that's been developed in the last decade in terms of the importance of breath. I mean, there's a book, several books written on it and everything in terms of your overall health to the points you're making to your health, even warding off viruses and bacteria, mouth breathing versus nose breathing. Um, if on that, learn to breathe through your nose. Like just do, just learn to close your mouth, breathe through your nose as much as humanly possible. Even try to exercising, riding a Peloton or running or whatever. You'll feel like you're suffocating at first, but over time, it will benefit you beyond belief um, in terms of learning good breathing techniques, especially nasal breathing. Yeah. What's your, uh, we're on our third and last ones, aren't we? Try something different. I mean, this connects a little bit with play. It's a little bit of a, a double dip here, but, but more than that, 
this gets into practice or even playing type of practice where you're on the course, but you're trying to just hone your game. You're not, you're not just going out there to, like you said, be present, like your best rounds, like scoring competitively, you should just be present and let anything you're working on go to the background that should disappear. But if you're playing for the purpose of like honing your game and improving your game, try things, try something different. Um, to get into in terms of the learning theory, you need it because of brain engagement. So a lot of times you hear different forms of practice, you know, block versus random and so on. Um, if you talk to a strict behaviorist, they're going to give one definition. But in terms of like the psychology of it, the way to think about it is you want your brain engaged when you're practice. So I don't care if you're doing block or random by the, the old technical definitions. I define that I want your brain fully immersed in the situation so you're thinking about what you're doing and you're being intentional with it. Um, including using practice efforts to sometimes get lost in the process. So sometimes you do space out, but that's intentional. You're always being intentional with what you're doing. Um, so what you need, why you need to experiment is so the brain always does stay engaged because to get better, you need discomfort. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not using that necessarily in the sense of anxiety or I feel uncomfortable, but the brain has to be uncomfortable. The brain has to be like, wait, something different happened here. Right, like I'm not familiar with what happened. I need to process this and think about it, and that activates different aspects of your brain. So you need that to happen in practice, which often you can associate with failure. You're doing something, you're not getting the outcome that you want, and that is one way to spur that on. Or it can just be doing something you're not familiar with, hitting off lies you're not familiar with, hitting on a shot that's difficult. Where even if you execute it perfectly, you're still like, oh man, I, that felt weird. Like I haven't hit that shot in a while, and this feels different. Um, so it's less about the outcome and more just about the sensation of is this experience causing my brain to engage or not. So switch things up always. If practice isn't working for you, how you're doing it, do it differently. Don't just sit there and be like, ah, I'm not getting better and keep doing the same thing. I mean, we've got the famous quotes about you know that being a form of insanity or whatever. Um, just try different things. Mess around practice. Mess around where you're practicing. So even down to that, think of any single thing you could possibly change. Change it up. Chris Kirk, what he did, everybody familiar with what he did in the offseason? Did anybody pay attention? Did you pay attention to what he did? Did you see that little story? Only through you. Tell me. Uh, so I've been following him on Instagram. Luckily, I have Kirk around. See him every once in a while. Great guy. Um, shout out to Brendan Todd, too. Just up-class individuals that are out at Athens Country Club will come up and talk to you and all that. Brendan or Chris played left-handed for, I think, two straight months. Only left-handed. Um, I think his goal was to go sub 80. I don't, I'm not, I didn't follow to see if he got there or not, but he went sub left-handed for two months. And what just happened? Shout out I, Tron Carter. Jeez. Yeah, I know this is getting, you know, I think we're releasing this end of the month here in January, but we're just on the shoulder end of just one tournament of champions, right? Um, after playing golf, left-handed solely, no right-handed swings from what, from, from what I'm led to believe. Um, Dude, that's why two months is best winner. Yeah, so like that is exactly what does that do? Because you could sit there and be like, "That's dumb. You're not practicing at all what you normally practice." No, what that's doing is engaging the brain in a different way. So guess what? When you come back to the right-handed form and doing that, your brain is going to be fully engaged. Neurons are going to be firing in a way that they weren't firing for him before he started doing that. Um, so just do that as often as not necessarily as often like every day, but like. If you feel just an inch of stagnation, just an ounce of it, switch it up. Take it to the course. Do use different clubs, like in terms of rather than eight iron to seven iron. Just think of everything you would do, how you normally do it. Think, okay, here's what I would do. Do something different. Figure out something different and just try it out and experiment and see what works for you. Is that, I got some follow-up questions. Is that more advice for when you're a little lost or things aren't going well? Is it? What do you what do you say to somebody that is playing good golf, and they're like, do should they still be trying? Yeah, that's a that's like a great that? like the tendency when you're playing good is like, well, what I'm doing is working, until it isn't, right? Like it's not golf is a fleeting sport, so what you're doing is working, but you have to remember, like the specifics of what you're doing, aren't fully correlated with the results you're getting. It's the fact you're doing something. That's getting the <laughs> results that are there, right? It's not that specific thing. Everything's situated. It's that specific thing at that specific time is probably helping you out. There could be other things that would be even helping you out more, right? So it's not like, oh, this is the goal. I found the, the fountain of youth. No, it's going to end eventually. So it is a balance. That's where it's, I'm not saying like every day you go, try to do something entirely different. 
but but keep it fresh. You know, typically if you're doing something regular after you know a few weeks of it, you're going to get in pretty regular motor patterns, and it's going to probably be habitualized. And you can tell the moment your mind starts slipping, and it just becomes automatic. If you're paying attention, that's why again journaling. When you get done with practice, give a quick two sentences, three sentences. What was practice like for me today? Where was my brain? Where was my body? Where was my performance? Write a couple notes. Look back every month. Look back on all those notes. You'll see patterns, right? And then just look for when that brain disengages and go after it. And certainly when you're lost, you know, you really do have to identify there's different versions of loss. There are times where it's a technique loss, the yips, right? And so like there are times where it does just take grit and like focusing on one thing and really just like wearing it out. But a lot of times when we're lost, it's more mental, right? We're just not there. We're we're just something something's amiss. And so then again, experiment when you're in those when you're in those modes. Yeah. Yeah, that's I I just did that to kind of in prep of the show is looking back on uh my notes from that year of great golf and uh what's what's interesting is even though it's old, it's new. So it's like, okay, I got away from this. All right, let's try that again. What happens when you don't, like the thing that did work, which you maybe stepped away from, but now you're, you go back to, doesn't work. You just keep trying, keep iterating. Yeah, I mean, that's try something different. It's not the time for that with you, right? This, yeah. Think of, I mean, you've, you've sort of taught me this, Matt, um, and now reading other things, like because of you teaching me this, I can attach it to it, like golf being this creative, artistic act right is what it is so think of golf think of your practice as a practice of art and yeah like if you're going there and what's coming out is ugly you're not going to keep painting in that way right so if it's not working we'll mix it up and what's the end of the world yeah the next thing doesn't work it's not <laughs> that's just it's, it's not the end of the world and and not only like that I, I think golly you know you go to the more traditional set like Play a cut. It's easier to control a cut. Nicholas played a cut, and and I I appreciate that. I think there's so much truth in reliability and uh, repetition and, and those things. But uh, it ain't as much fun. I know, like I know that God, it's okay to try a draw and and play around with it, even in the same round. And and I don't know. It's just more fun, in my opinion. To and that keeps me more engaged, which I think makes me play better. So it's. But teach their own in a in a one way. But I, I love that point, man. That is a a really good one. Just to remind ourselves that you got to be willing to be different and try different. I think that's kind of an underarching thing of all of these because we're not really sharing the most traditional get better tips here. You know, I think I think you and I challenge ourselves to be a little bit more creative. So um, yeah, the traditional ones are out there. Go visit John Sherman's work, right? Um, what Nico's always putting up. I mean, Nico's pretty untraditional too, but there's plenty of resources out there in terms of traditional fine, like fine grained ideas. But it, what gets lost in the, in the woods there is what is the mechanistic aspect that's making those things work, right? What is that overarching thing? And that comes down to your engagement with the game, right? That is the overarching thing. And you have to find the right, the, the thing that gives you that service because no, there's no perfect prescription to good golf yeah. and, and getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, well, I'll, g- I'll give my last one, and then we can s- summarize maybe. But uh, my number three is self-talk. Oh, self-talk. I'm terrible with Learn. this. Go on. I'm I'm <laughs> so bad with self-talk on the golf course in life in general. I'm that person that walks away from a conversation of like, what did I say? I said something stupid at some point. Now they hate me, and they're going to think this about me. So so go on. I'm a yeah. That is uh, it's a t- it's a tricky one, but. I think for identifying your self-talk, first off, is ask yourself what I just said to myself in my head. Some people say it out loud. They're, they're pretty funny to play with. You know, you a-hole, you dumbass, you, uh, you know, there, there's so many words that we call ourselves. That's one. Would you ever say that to um, somebody else? Would you ever say that to a friend? I actually, one, way, one arena, I'll say, that I see the worst self-talk is really close friends playing together. Because one thing that is very common of really close friends is, you know, putting each other down, giving giving each other a hard time. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fun. But you got to be careful because if that's, you know, jokingly saying it, because they don't take that seriously if you call them, you know, an old nickname. that may, Like, with your real close friends, 
that that's a joke. But when you say it to yourself, you don't interpret it as a joke, mm. I don't think. When you say it to yourself, you are that person. You are that jerk that hit that shot. And so that's one way that I try to remind people of how do they identify. Most people don't know what their self-talk is. And, and most of it is internal. Most of it isn't vocalized. And so I, I, I always thought I was a pretty positive person, so I never needed to work on my self-talk until I met Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe Parent mm-hmm. wrote Zen Golf, worked with Christy Kerr and ZJ, VJ Singh at his, at his prime when he got those two to number one in the world at the same time. Uh, he is a fascinating, he's a Zen Buddhist, but he's just a fascinating man. And I've been fortunate to spend a couple days with him, hanging out, talking, playing golf. We played a couple rounds. And, uh, and that was like my, one of my biggest takeaways was I wasn't even vocalizing it. I think he got it out of me a couple of times. It's like, you would never say that to to somebody else. I, I'm trying to remember exactly one of the examples. Um, low side. I missed a putt low side. And and I think I said, oh, low side, what a surprise. Because I just missed my last three putts low side. And and he goes, as we're walking back to the cart, we were in, at a cart course. We had no choice. But he's also a walker. He thinks every point you made, he would totally back up. But he, he said, uh, so why did you say that? to yourself. I was like, well, I just missed the three putts low side in a row. He goes, yeah, but over the course of these last 13 holes, I think you, you made quite a few putts. You missed high side, more putts than I think you've low side, honestly. And you just, yeah, you had three in a row, but why would you, why would you say that? Hmm. And he like, was like, like asking me in a way that like, how dare you Mm -hmm. (laughs) say that to yourself? And, and as we're going to the next tee, I go, okay, yeah, no, that's a great point, doc. Well, what should I say instead? He, he, and he, this is what will always stick with me. He said, you should say, wow, that's interesting. Hmm. And I was like, okay. But I, if you play golf with me today, you'll hear me say that quite a bit. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And the point of it is it doesn't have ju- judgment. It's an observational statement. It's, um, it's, it's just that's what occurred. And, and wow, that's interesting. Did I, is that, was that low side? It was low side just like the last three. Huh. Maybe it's a, you know, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. And, and it's not, it doesn't bring me down. It doesn't deteriorate my confidence. It doesn't uh, uh, put myself down. It keeps, you know, you need confidence to play this game. And if you're the, the main person having the conversation with yourself to hit these shots and execute, you're going to be in trouble if, if you're the one that's constantly talking down to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so positive self-talk is like critical, another critical element. But yeah, wow, that's interesting. Is, is something you can put in your game. Uh, blue one out of bounds, right. Not son of a bitch, God damn it. How about you say, huh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just blocked the shit out of that one. That's interesting. And, and it really keeps it lighter. It doesn't, um, it, it doesn't spiral to, to where you just you get upset. Because I see, again, I play with a lot of different members of New Club, play with a lot of different abilities and everything. The one thing I think that pushes ourselves away from the game the most is ourselves and our expectation and the way that we, we just, that doesn't feel good when anybody says that to you. And it's not the action, like take it away from the action. It's your response to the action. It's how you made yourself feel about hitting it in the water. It's how you made yourself feel about missing it low side. It's not about missing it low side. It's not about hitting the water. That stuff you can actually enjoy. It sounds ridiculous, but I do kind of enjoy the failure of it, the learning of it, and and just the observation of it versus the commentary on it. It's not my job to comment on what I'm doing. It's my job to do what I'm doing, to be in that moment. So while that's interesting is is my my main one. Was that, you know, I, I remember you, I mean, you're a very, I remember back in college golf and, you know, going back a decade or so ago, very fiery self-talk golfer. Um, was this an easy switch for you or was it was it no. just as simple as oh that's interesting or did you have to fake it until you made it like what what was that how did you get through that process what helped you um, switch to i mean yeah when i play with you now you definitely you know if you do get a little fiery thing it's more with a laugh to it and in an observ- it is more of an observation now that you give me that language to, to say it is more just observational yeah, and I like to celebrate the like of you know the tour sauce, fake fist pumps, and which is important. And stuff for the, goes well. The brain that's important to do. Like give yourself. Yeah. What Phil does in that my mini fist pump is really it's an intentional thing that is good for your body to, for the next shot and carrying through the round. But 
Totally. And and uh, did you see that guy on the God? What to, what event was it? It might have been at Kapalua where he like just missed a putt by six inches and gave it the biggest fist yeah. pump. And and I don't know if anyone asked. I was like, oh, I'd love to listen to that guy's press conference if somebody asked him about it. But I I know why he did it because he had probably missed. <laughs> Six putts in a row. He's like, I just need some positive feel here, you know. Like, and and uh, so yeah, a little bit of fake it till you make it for sure. I I, I think that's key. Um, there was something else. What what was it? it? It's it's with oh, remembering who you really are as a good golfer is like when you're playing your best. And instead of saying, uh, well, no surprise there. I just missed it low side. Say, um. That's so not like me. Doctor Joe gave me that one too. That's so, that's not, so not like me. Yeah, you know that. That's oh man, I, I chunked a, a, a wedge. That's so not like me. Oh, that's such a better thing than I always do that. I'm like I always, yeah, yeah, I always do that. Right, and be like, that's so not. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, because it becomes a f- self fulfilling prophecy either way, and so you might as well do it the other way. Like you say, you always do that. No, you don't. You hit thousands of golf shots in your life. Like you don't always do that, and and likewise, you don't. It's not also not like me because you might be bad at hitting wedges. But yeah. but go, if you're gonna pick one side or the other, if both statements are untrue, why don't you go with the one that is gonna help uh, fulfill the prophecy, which will be, oh, that's so it's so not like me. That's a good. Yeah, I missed another fairway. That's so not like me. That's a good point. We always have a choice in life on how to re- respond to something. You always have the choice, negatively or positively. That it is always, always your choice. So why choose the negative? Why, why, yeah. why go that route? You know, be positive. Be chippy about it. Like even when bad things happen at work, just be positive. And and my take on bad, positive, negative is like. You can't just tell somebody to be positive, yeah, right? right? It yeah. does because if you're having a shit day and you're you're in that spiral, you're not going to come out of it. But this is a step that could, yeah. Like when you say to yourself those things, when you you know change your state, change your state, and one ch- is is vocalize it, say mm-hmm. it out loud, uh, change your. Some people like will do jumping jacks if they're having a tough day. Some people do the you know, there's a lot of ways to change your state, and and I think I think positive self talk is one of the biggest. Yeah, I, and and sure enough, you'll you'll listen to yourself. We really do listen to ourselves, so you might as well tell yourself some some positive. Yeah, that's a great point because you don't want to do the serenity now version of it, where like bad thing happens. It don't, <laughs> it's a it's a good thing, like whatever. No, but the make you know lemonade with lemons is sort of the perspective on it. Like it it happened, something bad happened, so your reaction to it, yeah, like it's ne- negative, but then it's like, what are your What's your next action gonna be? Don't compound it, right? Don't be Don't. have it be a positive reaction in terms of what your next action is. Um, don't be positive about the event that occurred, but be positive about what you do next, and and make sure you're not letting that the negativity just fester and feed itself. Which I, we see. I mean, I see so many times uh, amongst colleagues and friends, right? That they let that become their ongoing narrative, the point you're making there with your self-talk, you'll, that'll be your internal negative or narrative if you let it become that, and that's not good. Yeah. Well, this uh, that's there, there's our, our six points. Um, anything to, to summarize? I think when you play golf, think about why you engage with the game and what makes you happy, and just do more of that. Like, just do more. <laughs> yeah, do more screw <laughs> all six of those those points on how to play better golf, and just do what makes you happy. I mean, do what feels right. Yeah, do more. Do, do more of that. Right. Like we're on this earth once. Yeah, that's, play golf while you want. That. To. that yeah, that, that that I think there's an inherent. My summary of like better is there's an inherent uh, part of golf that really attracts self improvers and people that want to uh succeed and want to do better and so there is and there is a, a an enjoyment found in that process right and anything and and being challenged and overcoming challenges and working through that it, it, golf is just inherently so pursuing better is noble you just got to be careful of it taking away from the other really special things and compelling reasons we play golf 
getting outside, being with friends, uh, uh, going for a walk, mm-hmm. exercise, you know, taking in the trees and the birds and the breeze. Like, don't let be, being better, you know, we, we can get obsessed with golf. We can get obsessed with our s- score and getting better and improvement. And um, you got to be careful of your obsession because it can take away from the things that truly matter. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, I think that was a beautiful thing. You brought up Chris Kirk, who next time you see him in the locker room, tell him about this little podcast called The Bag Drop. Let's get that guy going. I'll say he keeps winning. I mean, he's he's going to be too hot for us. We have to pay a- I know. He's, he's, he's soaring past our, our <laughs> pricing range. You know? Like, gosh. But uh, he'd be a great guy to talk to about that. Because I, I, uh, his re- most recent win that we've been talking about, uh, I did listen to that press conference. And I just love the fact that he's like, you know what? Yeah, I want to be really good at this. I want to be the best in the world. But um, I think I just tend to that intrinsic motivation. Sean Martin, another yep. guest Shout of our out. show. He Shout wrote the article on it. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, I just got intrinsic motivation to enjoy it. And and I enjoy my practice. I enjoy uh, when I play now and I enjoy my time with my family. I just enjoy it. And that's that's got to be the, the focus of just having fun with that. But uh, But while you do it, you can definitely pursue getting better. And so hopefully our, our conversation here today, that definitely helped me. I mean, I'm taking your bullet points and definitely applying them to as I step into the golf season. So a um, little bit deeper, not your traditional, go see a coach, go, you know, uh, course management. Like we, we didn't touch on any of those things, but I think these are uh, a little bit deeper perspective of folks that want to um, not do it, yeah, do it differently, but also uh, think about how it relates to everything else and the enjoyment of it. Absolutely. Now, on the, well, on the traditional thing, though, go get fitted. Yeah. You should go get fitted. <laughs> and that is a good time to thank our friends at Titleist for supporting the podcast in 2024 and beyond. Uh, we, we have really enjoyed our partnership with Titleist. Thank you for listening, everybody out there. And um, Professor, we'll be right back at it next week. Looking forward to uh, hopefully playing some golf together at some point. But looking forward to talking about it if that doesn't happen in the near future. Worst case scenario, spring meeting. See you, see everyone yes. at Sweetens Cove. April 26, 27, spots still available for our new club members and their guests this year. Uh, Sweetens Cove, two full days. Whew, that's when it really plus gets a, going. Plus a few other gems up there at the, uh, the lovely city of Chattanooga. Yes, yes, we got some hitters uh, surrounding that event. But, uh, but cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.